an ode to summer vacation. School is back in full swing and the structure feels comforting and the focus shift towards new growth and maturation is certainly necessary. But in these early weeks, I can't help but be reminded that this excitement and leaning in to getting back to business comes best after a nice long vacay. Minnesotans do summer right. In some ways, we feel forced to, and our summers are busy. Get it all on the calendar so we don't miss a thing. But we also never let summer slip by without lingering long in those golden moments of sunshine and water and rest and quiet and beauty and togetherness. When your climate is a frozen tundra much of the year, it's just natural to seize the summer. It's a season of Sabbath. Maybe not physically, but definitely mentally. A season of let's just enjoy what we have right here in front of us. In a sort of alternate reality of play and peace and whirlwind. Knowing in the back of our minds, it ain't always going to be like this. Winter is coming. But it's a beautiful rhythm that works best when we just jump into it instead of trying to control it. Because even in the summer, the weekend ends and sandy swimsuits and towels make for lots of laundry. And the constant activity make for hungry bellies and more crumbs than you can control. This summer, I've tried to find God as deeply in those moments as I do in the golden hour. His greatness is so obvious in beauty, but isn't it there just as much in the ordinary? If he came on vacation with us and blessed us and protected us and guided us, filled us full with every good thing. Isn't he here in the time spent in the laundry room once we're back home? He is. He's there. I found him. It takes more intentionality to find him in the mundane. Spending the day on the boat with your family is like God basically slapping you in the face with his wonder and goodness. But his goodness and wonder is in the everyday too. I just have to hunt them down. It's easy to be grateful for a night around a bonfire eating gooey s'mores with family and friends, but it's a little harder to let thankfulness spill out when standing over a huge pile of dirty dishes again. God, remind me what is good here. How can I turn my gripes into songs of gratitude? One thing I've learned is that sometimes you just have to make a choice and let the feelings come later. I love to serve my family by washing dishes. I don't necessarily have to feel this in order to say it. And perhaps even uttering it out loud is best when you find it to be most unrealistic. We can feel like we're lying. But isn't what I'm really saying that I want to love serving my family by washing the dishes? To find deep joy in service? I don't have to feel it to want it, right? Life is so much better when we let our words shape our realities, rather than just letting our realities shape our words. Some things take time. Patience is a virtue for a reason. But ultimately, I'm in charge of the things I think and say. That means I can change them if I want to. And I want to. The longer I linger at the sink, forcing myself to come up with reasons why these dishes are a gift, the more easily those reasons begin to come to mind. Thank you for the people who made them dirty. Thank you for running water. Thank you for dishwashers. Thank you for food in our fridges and on our table. Thank you for soap. Thank you for bubbles. 
Thank you for the comfort warm water brings. Thank you for the satisfaction of a job well done. Thank you for the strength to restore cleanliness and order to a once very chaotic pile of filth. And once my often selfish emotions are soothed, I can be quiet and still enough to just be present. There is a gift in every moment if we're willing to sit in the moment long enough, no matter what it holds. And if I'm at rest within the present moment, I am open to whatever the moment brings instead of trying to control it. Because once I cease my own endless chatter and just listen, I can tune into the frequency where God is speaking. He's always speaking. The problem is I'm not always listening. Sometimes it's a correction and sometimes it's all lavishing love, but it's always for my good. And sometimes in the midst of an everyday task where my hands can move almost totally on their own, my mind is most free to listen and respond to the wonder that is God. Well, shoot, I'm actually sad now that the sink is empty. Wait, what? What happened? I found God. God loves us by providing a break from the sometimes harsh or humdrum realities of life, but he loves us by being right in the midst of the laboring just as much. We were created for earth for work, and nothing reminds us of that better than getting a break and then feeling the pull back towards being productive. And there's no greater reminder of this than fall. So, back to football practice and math homework and comfy sweaters we go, finding joy in a new rhythm and a tighter schedule, earlier sunsets and stricter bedtimes, healthier and heartier meals, more work and less play. But certainly, that doesn't mean all is lost. Summer has much to teach us, even as it applies to the winter months. When everything is stripped bare and uncovered, and we can't hide behind the outward beauty of bloom anymore, where is joy found then? We must look deeper, turn inward, find nourishment in what we've stored up. We must find joy in our rootedness and connectedness. After a season of summer, our bodies and souls crave a season of intimacy and comfort, presence and deep connection, less fluff and more honesty, a return to simplicity, joy in the small things. And I am here for it. I am ready. Because when you make a practice of savoring all the seasons of life, you learn, much to your surprise, that real joy isn't found in good circumstances. It's not found in pleasure. It's not found in things going just as you planned. Quite the opposite, really. Those things bring happiness, but happiness is an emotion. Joy is a state of being. Those things can be experienced with joy, but they don't produce it. Joy is hiding where you least expect it. James 1, 2-4 says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. When your emotions are stripped bare and raw, when your plan is blown up, when trouble comes a-knocking, we can choose joy. We don't have to feel joy to choose it because we know God is at work. Everything passes through his hands. 
nothing happens to me that he is not in control of. So even when it doesn't make one bit of sense to me, I can find inner contentment because I know everything that I experienced was placed there or allowed for my ultimate good. Someone much bigger and infinitely wiser and more creative than me has a plan, even in my discomfort. And when I choose to hunt down joy there in the trusting, the joy that floods from that choice is superior to any emotion I've ever felt. It's solid and dependable and so full of promise. It can make the most difficult task feel like a swim in the lake on the most beautiful day. So, here's a toast to summer vacation. You are beautiful and you will be missed. I thank you for all the ways you brought excitement and satisfaction and sweetness to our days. You are the fullness that reminds me to just let go and let life be as it is, even after you are long gone. As you watch the leaves fall this season, let it be a reminder to you that the shedding of things isn't so bad. Streamlining what's important for a season is necessary. Real strength can come only when we acknowledge our inability to produce our own joy. There is beauty in the dying. There is blessings in the letting go. You're just making room for the fullness of joy that is still yet to come.